I'm going to start out with a, with a story. And this story is uh, just to set the stage. There's two men standing on a bridge. One is about to jump off, and the other is trying to talk him out of it. So the man asked the jumper, so are you a Christian, or a Hindu, or a Jew, or what? The jumper replies, I'm a Christian. The man says, small world, me too. Are you a Protestant, a Catholic, Orthodox? The jumper says, Protestant. The man replies, me too, what, what denomination? The jumper says, Baptist. The man replies, me too. Southern Baptist or Northern Baptist? The jumper answers, Northern Baptist. The man replies, same for me. Uh, Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? The jumper answers, Northern Conservative Baptist. Why? The man says, well, are, is this the Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region or... Uh, <laughs> this is so funny. Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes Region, Eastern, or uh, what's the other one here? Anyway, Northern, there's, there's two different uh, regions. The man says, okay, is this the Northern Baptist, Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes Region Council of 1879, or Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? The jumper answers, Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes Region, Council of 1912. The man shoves the jumper off the bridge and screams, Die, heretic! <laughs> yeah. That is, uh, I, I, I sat there and just laughed and laughed because I, 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 it's not funny that the guy got pushed off the bridge, it's the story, but it is such an example of how we pigeonhole ourselves down into one little spot. And we say, unless you're exactly like me, well, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And so I've been, I've been praying for, for each one of you guys. Uh, I asked the Lord what was on his heart. And I'm really, I've been praying that this message touches your heart in the way that God wants to speak to you because there's something, there's something that I really felt strongly when I asked him, I said, what, what is it that's on your heart for, for this Sunday? And he said, this is the phrase that came to me, unity is not uniformity. So I... I sat and meditated on that for quite a while. I, I know that so many times we think of in unity, everyone is the same or you know, thinks the same, acts the same, whatever. But I'm telling you, that is not an example of unity. That is uniformity. And if I think of the, even the political process that we have, I mean, what a circus. This is, this is uh, I gotta say, all of this needs to happen. I am so excited. This is exactly what needs to happen to expose the darkness. We are called to expose the hidden works of darkness. In fact, I read it this morning. Um, if I, 
I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to read this. Just because I was having breakfast with the Lord. And this came, Ephesians 5. He says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And I'm telling you, there is, there is some... Uh, we are in an amazing time right now because there, there have been battles for freedom all throughout history. And we are in a battle for freedom. And we're going to win. So don't let the devil convince you otherwise. Don't let the media convince you otherwise. It, don't let anyone convince, convince you that evil is winning. Stand in faith. And, and I'm telling you, the, uh, the fact that there is so much struggle in the political arena is an example of the struggle that, we've, that we feel many people feel in their lives in, in other areas. So uh, this, I, I really believe that there are those sitting here, there are those here that are going to run for public office and should. And we, we are in a, a time of coming together. It really is. It feels like struggle. It feels like um, there's so much turmoil, but there is a coming together of unity, not uniformity, but unity for good to be advanced. I want to read in uh, Ephesians 4. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation, so uh, you can just follow along and listen, if, unless you have it. Uh, but I just really like the way this is, the, the way this talks here. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. As a prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank given to you in your divine calling. With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially toward those who may try your patience. Ah. <laughs> Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace, being one body and one spirit, as you are all called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. For the Lord God is one, and so are we. For we share in one faith, one baptism, and one Father. And He is the perfect Father who leads us all, works through us all, and lives in us all. And He has appointed some with grace, I like this, to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. So every one of you are called to a work of ministry. Every one of us is. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. That's what it's all about. And finally, we become one perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. And then our immaturity will end. 
And we will not be easily shaken by trouble, nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. Now, if that isn't clear, I'm not sure what is. That's amazing. That is a description of the body as it should be working and functioning. And that is a description of who Jesus is represented. He is the head. We are the body. Now, there's some things that the Lord showed me uh, as I was studying going through this. Uh, I want to, I'm going to skip down to verse 25. And this I'm going to read in the New King James. Because I, I like what it says better. Uh, how, it's, how it's worded. He says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Verse 26 be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Now, I was always taught that the verse that says, be angry and do not sin, do not, the, do not let the sun go down upon your wrath, was that make sure you confess any anger that you have before sunset. <laughs> it has nothing to do with sunset of the day. It has nothing to do with that. He starts out saying, be angry. He's commanding, be angry. And do not let the hot sun of your wrath ever set. Does that make sense? Do not let your anger ever go down. The sun is your anger. Be angry and do not sin. There is an amazing anger that allows us to do anything for the truth and for good and for right. He doesn't say, be angry and do not love. All things need to be motivated by love. But if we do not have the understanding that we have a calling, we're not, here, we're not just put here just to exist until Jesus comes back. Because there's, there's been... Um, the body of Christ, the fact that we all are members of one body... If, if, you, if you just look at a body, you have a core, and then there's extremities. Extremities. So an extreme person for a, let's say, a, a very conservative person that is, uh, let's say, a conservative Amish person, since that's the, the environment that we're in, would look at a very charismatic, uh, can we say, expressive worship, etc., as extreme. Believing and operating in all these things. The person that is operating in uh, the, what would be considered that extreme side would look at a very conservative person and say, well, they're, they're, they're so dead. They just don't do anything. They're just, and so we go, cut them off, and they go, cut them off, <laughs> and there's nothing left. 
All we have is the core of salvation. So the body has no extremities that are willing to work together. The body just says, get them saved, and then hold on till Jesus comes back or till you are saved by death. That's not what Jesus said. In fact, there's a song that we sing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point this out just because. Uh, there's a song that says, Death is just a doorway to resurrection life. I don't agree. Jesus said, I am the door. By me, you will go in and out and find pasture. That's a wonderful song. I love the song. But when I sing the song, I say, you are the doorway to resurrection life. I sing it different because I, I know him. He's, he's the door. I don't look forward to death. Jesus didn't say he came for us to die. He said, I came to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. So as the body, we, we, we restrict and reduce ourselves down to just get them saved. The only people that are willing to work together are the super moderate groups that are, are, are just focusing on the core, on salvation. And so when I, when I look at that, uh, I want to show you, I have a picture that I want to show you. Um, can you put up the, the first photo? This, does anybody recognize this scene? This is from Monty Python, The Search for the Holy Grail. And um, the, we, we see ourselves as the, the Black Knight is the guy there guarding the bridge, okay? We see ourselves as, okay, here we are, we've got a job to do, we're guarding something. Well, in this story, that's actually King Arthur dressed in white, and he's, he's going to go through. The Black Knight is not allowing him. But we think that we've got something great here. Now show the next slide. King Arthur comes through and literally just cuts off this guy's arms and legs. And the church ends up being completely powerless. Can't hold a sword. Can't hold a sword. Can't even walk and move. Can't reach out and minister. Can't do anything because all of our extremities have been removed from the core. You can turn the lights back on. And you can, you can get rid of that picture. <laughs> um, I want you to see that, though, because I want you to, to, to look at how you have seen yourself, how you have seen other members of the body of Christ, and what you have done with that. So, Jesus, Jesus talked about the church, about his body, and he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So what were, what were city gates built for? They were not built to keep people in. Those are prison gates. Those are prison doors. City gates were, were built to keep invaders out. You get where I'm going? The gates of hell will not prevail against the church because the church is called to go in, walk right into hell, and pull people out. 
We have a job to do, and people are going to hell and staying there. Alive and, and living in hell. We've not been willing to work with other people who don't see it or do it just like us. And so we go, well, I can't go over there, and I can't, you know, I, I won't do And we end up doing nothing. There's a reason why we are in a battle for our country. Because good people have done nothing. Good people have, can we say, sat on their hands, <laughs> hidden their extremities, not gone in and actually taken hold and helped and pulled people out. Because we, we have all authority. So we are to go and advance on the territory of hell. But unity does not mean that we accept evil. It's not passive. It's not complacent. That's what, be angry. Be angry at what the devil has done. Do you realize that we are made in the image of God himself? The devil hates the image of God. He hates the body. He hates what I look like. He hates what you look like. Because you look like God. God made us to look like him. Now, how, how would it be if every person here was, was a, uh, like a, a, a clone of one person and everybody looked the same? I mean, pick the, pick the most beautiful person. I don't care. It would still be wrong. If every person would be the most beautiful person and exactly the same, there would no longer be diversity. There would no longer be anything unique about you, you don't actually matter then. Not really. Not in the same way. And yet we try to make people like us. Not, that's kind of a funny word. We try to make people um, the same as us. So that, well, I don't have to deal with the, the differences that you represent or that you are, that you have. And I'm telling you, that is not going to ever be effective. God has so much for us. But just look at, if, look at the birds. If every bird was the same, how would, how would it function? If every tree in the, on the entire world was just one kind of tree, it, it literally it would, would not function, first of all. And it would be a terrible place. Because I, I, I walk out and I just see so much diversity and it's amazing. So we need to look at each person and see each person as a unique representation of who God is specifically. There's something specific about you that not one other person can have. That's why we all have different fingerprints. And DNA and you can do a retina scan of anybody here. It's all, it's all different. There's something so special about that. It's time for the streams of ministry to come together. I heard a preacher the other day, and he said that each separate calling, each ministry, each church is like a stream. And when these streams come together, it becomes a move of the river of God. I mean, this, this church is one stream. Wengard Ministries is one stream. Churches around us, each of them are one stream. 
And we end up just being these little rivulets of, of, of water that don't, they're, they're not effective. But when all of these streams come together, we become powerful. We become unstoppable. We collectively bring life as a river. But we'll never do it when we separate, when we put walls and banks between us and, and we don't allow our water to co-mingle with any other water because it doesn't look the same, it doesn't taste the same. What did Jesus tell his disciples right before he ascended to heaven? He had spent years teaching them to work together and to love one another. The last words of Jesus, I'm going to read them in Matthew 28, 16 through 20. He says, uh, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. In other words, go, because all authority, all authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say, go and make all nations like Jews. <laughs> go and make disciples of all nations, allowing them to be themselves as a nation. We've seen, I've watched ministries go and try to proselytize and make the people there like the missionary. Just, it never works. It's not sustainable. It never goes to the heart of the person. You can, always, you can change the outer shell of a person without changing the heart. It's just modifying behavior. But when I look at what Jesus told his disciples, he said, I have been given authority, so go. And then and in Luke 10, 19, he said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, which is all of hell, the prince of the power of the air, everything that, that Satan ever had in his authority is completely gone. He has no authority. Do you understand that? He, he has no authority anymore. The only authority that the devil has is when someone gives it to him because we've been given authority. So, so a sickness tries to come on a person and they go and they give the authority to whoever or they say authority has been given to me by Jesus. The very spirit of Jesus is in me. The spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. So I take that authority and I push back against a false authority. It's a deception. The devil only can try to deceive. It's the only thing he has. If he can deceive, your belief follows it, and your faith is active toward the deception which makes it possible in your life. If you're willing to follow the one who has authority, you will see his authority active in your life. Everything that, that was done in the atonement, everything that Jesus did on the cross is ours because he gave it to us. Now, uniformity 
If we think of the, how we started, unity and uniformity, uniformity actually destroys unity. So if you have a, a, a group of people that are connected with each other, and I, 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 I saw this, I grew up with this partially, not in some ways that, that some people have had you know, a very religious, very controlling environment, but it's, it's as simple as this. Well, what, what if the preacher doesn't see me? I, I can get away with it. Or what if my parents don't see me? I can get away with it. That's what's really in your heart. That's what's really happening. Just because the people look the same doesn't mean anything changed on the inside. So in order to find unity, you have to get to know the person. You have to open yourself up and let people get to know you. When I look at uh, the reason why people require uniformity, I was thinking about this. Why is it that when, when people come together, they, they, they go, well, I want you to look like me. They don't, we don't necessarily say it that way, but we will avoid people who don't look like us or act like us. Why is it that if I sit down with a person, uh, this just happened this week actually, sat down with a uh, man, had coffee, and, and some things were similar, similar experiences, some things were not. And I think of this, if there's a person that you, let's say you, you sit next to a person on the plane, so you didn't choose who you sat next to, but it's a person that obviously is different than you. Do you interact with that person? Do you engage with that person to actually get to know what's inside, or do you just view what you see and either, oh, they look like me, I'll engage, or they're really weird, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my distance. The reason we do that is because we're insecure in who we are. If you're secure in who you are, you'll interact with anybody. You should be able to go sit down with a Satanist and say, tell me about your religion. Tell me about it. Because <laughs> I want to tell you about my religion. My Lord, my Savior, I want to tell you about my friend. The thing is, the only reason we wouldn't do that is because we somehow value what they have as greater than what we have. We somehow feel that, well, I could be contaminated by that. How? How could you be contaminated? The only way is if you actually believe that what they have is greater than what you have. Sit down with a gay person and say, tell me about yourself. Why is it that you, that you um, believe this way? Why is it that you think this is uh, the way it should be? I want to know. And not just because I've got to try to change you, but because I want to hear where you're at. You see, when I think of uh, what draws people to God, it's like, if this whole room would be dark and there'd be a bunch of mosquitoes and I'd put one light and turn it on, all the mosquitoes are going to go to that light. All the bugs are going to go to that light. We don't have to go try to change people. We just shine a light. The people are going to come to the light, see the things that are false, and change them. 
I, if, if you would have a, Danny, if you'd have a grease smudge on your face, and I would just go and hold a mirror up to you with, with some light that you can see, I don't have to go over and scrub your face. I just show you. I just go, just, it's just revealing something, and Danny's going to go, oh, I gotta, hold, hold that steady. And he's going he's gonna to take care of it. Bottom line is, we all got grease on our face. We all have beams sticking out of our eyes trying to go pick a speck out of someone else's eye. If we're willing, if we're willing, we can help each other. And not just us. We can be helped. We can't just, it, it's, there's so much give and take. There's so much that God wants to do. And He, God, has been powerless. He has been powerless in, in all of this. Things taking over our country. There's a reason that the homosexual agenda has gone so far and our, our uh, not necessarily locally, but joined bathrooms with genders and things like that. I mean, absolutely crazy stuff that doesn't even, doesn't even make sense. But it's because God himself, his body, has been fighting with itself. Bickering. The Apostle Paul, in, uh, when he said, be angry and sin not, he was actually quoting Psalm 4. I want to read Psalm 4, uh, starting in verse 2. He says, How long, O you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? But know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. There's the verse. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us any good? If you think about it today, now people say, where's the good? Where's the good? There are many who say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart. More than in the season that their grain and wine increased, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Now that's a person that's secure. And that's a person that is angry and does not sin, that walks in with confidence and freedom and takes a person that is in danger or in trouble and helps them, walks them through, does not care about being contaminated. See, what we have in us pushes back the darkness. If a person is sick, come I want to give you a hug because what's in me will push it out of you. The only way the sickness can come into me is if for some reason you think the Spirit of God can get sick because He's in me. That's the way it is. That's the way Jesus operated all the time. You wouldn't go up and touch a leper unless you know that the leprosy is not going to come to you. Jesus went right up and He he laid hands on them. He hugged them. He embraced them. He was never afraid of contamination himself. It's not possible. And if the spirit of him who, who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, how much more shall he also quicken your mortal body, give life to your mortal body? So when we walk around and we're afraid, we give power to the fear. 
And then it does have power because we've given it to it. But when we walk around and we, we love people, we look past the issues, past the things, and we love directly to their heart, then the very heart of Jesus can speak to them and interact with them. I was actually talking to Lamar this morning, and, and I'm going to read the verse that he actually had a verse that connects right to this, actually Galatians 5, verses 14 and 15. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. And I'm telling you, that is the message that if we are motivated by love, if we're willing to look past a person's differences, and I want to challenge you to think about this, who it is that is different from you, that you have cut off. It could be family members, it could be friends, it could be people who've made mistakes. That you go, mm, I don't want to deal with their mistake. God dealt with your mistake, and he still does, he always will. See, we have to look at not just big world events, but individual interaction. This exact thing just happened in Washington, D.C., and, and we were there. It's not that people are always have animosity toward each other, but there's a reason that the Franklin Graham uh, organization was on one side of the mall, and the Jonathan Kahn organization, The Return, was in, in the center of the mall. It's not that they're against each other. They're not. But they didn't work together. I found it interesting. The people that were there, we were there for the return. And here's this messianic, spirit-filled uh, Jew rabbi leading and believing in faith and, and declaring the goodness of God and, and leading in this, uh, can I say, more of a charismatic type of uh, environment. And Franklin Graham is representing the conservative, uh, can I say, more moderate type of uh, churchgoer who would walk around, much more prone to walk around uh, with a, the view of, I'll just sort of see what happens and let it happen, but I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray. Think of it. There was still 50,000 people there joining with Franklin Graham, praying for our country. How awesome is that? <laughs> they, they took the time, they made the effort, they, they got there, and they stood in faith and believing. Yes, they may operate in a different way when they're at church, but they were there. They were there. Same thing for the, all the, the can I say, 50,000 people joining with Jonathan Kahn. Totally a different crowd, a different type of people, but they were there. I want to see diversity. I want to see diversity in every church. We need to. We need to see each other's differences. 
How else are you gonna see the things that need changed in your life?